You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. The power of water, climate change, and your health. Long ago, I decided in research, several years ago, almost 30, that the power of water on our earth must be taken very, very serious because that's who we are. We're living with trillions of cells in our body, and the cells have water. And that water must be maintained from the beginning of your life. That meant, and I'm going to say it over and over again, the moment you were born, you left the pocket of water from your mother's womb, you entered in the air like a vacuum cleaner. There was a decision made. From that moment on, you are no longer surrounded by a bubble of water. You were living in the air you're breathing. And your dependent and your choices are that moment on. But there was a choice made for you, your dehydration process of life. That water loss out of the body from that moment in, from that moment on, meant no two eyes alike, no two skins on the complexion alike, and no two fingerprints alike, and we're learning more. The DNA, we could go on and on and on. You're living with trillions of cells inside your body. Don't take it not serious. It is a serious matter and who you are and how you want to live. It affects everything about you. Dehydration. So hydration means you better be drinking at least 8 to 10 glasses of safe water a day. And be wise, 8 to 10 glasses of safe water. So the show each week is depending upon you to take it serious. It's very philanthropic because nobody on this show is making any money. We're all in this together. We're all working toward on this show each week. The people that come in are not being paid as guests. We're part of this philanthropic momentum of mission to get you understanding that you are important and that you are the ecosystem. Water in the world Fresh water in the world, there's so little of it, but 97.5% is salt water. 97.5% is salt water. National Geographic several years ago said that water, fresh water, is an, uh, is an endangered species. Species? Well, water is a species. It's alive. It's a living, it brings life to earth. It's living. The world's population is tripling. Use of water has grown Throughout the world, for over 50 years, in the years to come, the population will grow in another 40 to 50 percent. What about your water? 1.1 billion people do not have access to safe water. One-sixth of the world's population. Be serious. Let's get serious. 1.8 million children are dying every year. That's 5,000 children a day. We're not taking it serious. And yet, we're looking at all these bailouts, and I need to be a friend with you. These bailouts in the United States of America, not one said anything about making it possible for us to have safer, more water. What is the energy of our earth? What is the energy of your life? What is your health? If you had an ecosystem of taking your health very serious, your insurance premiums and all the insurance premiums would go down. We wouldn't be thinking like we are about the high cost of insurance. Be serious. 
The world's population last week grew 1,507,641 people. The United States grew 46,780 in one week. So let's think about dehydration, hydration, and how important it is for you to be healthy. You are an ecosystem affecting everything on this planet. That's how serious we are to each other. Today we have a very exciting show. We have Leah Yamaguchi, an acupuncturist, discussing hydration and dehydration. I am excited and rehydrating the self. Our second guest today is our Bernstein, talking, our naturalist, talking about the Columbia Gorge National Scenic Area of Oregon. That one I think you're going to really enjoy and how unusual and ecologically a wonder that is. But remember, I think we're each an ecological wonder as a person. You're that important to me and to everybody else. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Center's Nature's Tears I Missed. In 2009, the environmental chic lifestyle should be with just a miss. Nature's Tears I Missed. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. I welcome you back to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Today we're talking to Leah Yamaguchi, who is an acupuncturist at the Rockwood Clinic in Portland, Oregon. Leah, how are you today? I'm great, thanks. Thank you for taking time from your patients and spending some more time with us. We've I know we've uh, had you on before, and I was excited that I could get you uh, on the show again with education, and you chose to discuss uh, hydration, which, of course, is a subject of my favorite, and this show is really hydration, dehydration, and understanding rehydration. So, But before we begin, let's tell our uh, listeners all over the world about who you are and why you chose to be an acupuncturist. I'm... uh... Leah Yamaguchi, and my business is Gresham Acupuncture. I'm here in, in Gresham, Oregon, just of Portland. And I, I lived in Japan, and while I was there, I... You lived in Japan? I did. How long? For about seven years. Mm-hmm. And so while I was there, I really was drawn to the balance of um, life and health and the rhythms of, of the seasons that um, they really focus on the seasons in Japan. And you can relate that to your body and what's going on inside as well. So it was really fascinating to me. Before we go on beyond that one, that is a good one. Relating to the season in Japan is that I told, with my research, I learned that. uh, That, in fact, if you were reading, and I have brought it up before on the show uh, recently, Associated Press was, um, had a press release from the National Academy of Science, Science, that dry air causes the flu. Oh, right. And they always, did you read about that? Yes. Yes, and that relative humidity is based on temperature of the air. They thought that that would decide the amount of humidity. Then they found that absolute humidity is much better because then you can direct that toward 
uh, um, you can be more definite on it. But uh, by going by the season, it is so true. Uh, everybody should be gearing their way they eat, the way they everything should be around the season of the year. I to, I really agree with that. How old do you think Japan is? Country? Yes. I have no idea. Thousands of years old. Right. So therefore, they learned long ago there was something in the air. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Leah. No, that's all right. And so then I became I became very interested in acupuncture and uh, Chinese medicine. Uh, oriental medicine, mm-hmm. and it's more than just acupuncture. A lot of people think of it as just poking of the needles, but we also do a lot of nutritional counseling and herbal advice and Chinese herbal medicine and qigong, massage, because everything is connected in the body, and everything are at different strengths of treatment, so you may not need a very aggressive treatment. You may need to just start by changing your diet. That's the very first thing we do in Chinese medicine. Now, let's say a person comes to you, because I really think it's important before we get into the uh, mission subject of it, today of the education, but with acupuncture, how old is that? Oh, about Chinese medicine is over 5,000 years old. 5,000 years old. Now, when, they did, when you do this and a person comes in and you've taught them what acupuncture involves, what, what, what are you doing with that, uh, with the technique? What's, what's the reason for the technique? To readjust the energy flows in their body, to get their body back into balance, into homeostasis, so that the body then can ward off any um, illness and fight different symptoms. But you're, you're applying then different needles to different parts of the body, and what is each individual need, needle manipulating? the energy flow of certain channels. There are 14 major flows or meridian energy in the body. As long as everything is flowing smoothly... And then that's what you're after is to to, um, uh, come into there and those trillions of cells, you're trying to go in and manipulate those cells to get back some energy and electrolytic abilities to react to each other. Right. Okay. Um, you know, we're not really specifically focused on a cellular level. We're really focusing more on an energetic level. More energetic level. Okay. The cells. Okay. That's where the, where the energy flows, the blood flows, and the blood, of course, mm-hmm. is a lot of the fluid of the body. And, and now, if people are really turning to this now, I've heard no end of people that believe that this is absolutely the uh, unbelievable method. Now, let's say a person comes in and they're under a lot of stress. What would you recommend, uh, let's say, with the treatment with stress? Because this is what a lot of people are going through today. We really treat the individual person with acupuncture. So when you say stress, it's hard for me to okay. imagine a specific person because everyone, if people, 10 people could come in with a headache, and we would treat each of those people as individuals. Mm-hmm. There's not a standard Tylenol or like a standard medication for each symptom, each person is an individual, so we examine what's going on in their body at that time, really working with the yin and the yang of the body, the yin and the yang, um, which is more, the yin is what you're really interested in, which is the fluid of the body, the fluid, the substance, the, um, all of the, the juices of the body. And then the yang energy is, is just that, it's the firing of the, of the, nerves and the impulses, it's the activity, it's the movement of the body. 
And in our culture, we tend to be all go, 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 right. which really burns out the fluid in our body. Mm-hmm. And so by getting the body into balance, mm-hmm. so if someone's very stressed out and very burnt out, not only do we need to slow down all of that activity, but we also need to nourish the yin and nourish the fluids and nourish the substance of their body. Now, before that we go on to the... Ground that person out, ground yeah. their energy yeah. down and create calmness and balance. There we go, calm. Really, it's a twofold approach. Mm-hmm. Now, on the, uh, we're going to be discussing the, the hydration, dehydration, rehydration. Uh, but as we move into the, uh, I want to go into dehydration. You explain to your audience worldwide the definition from your field of dehydration before we teach them the rest. Right. We don't, we don't actually use the word dehydration. We use... Okay words such as yin deficiency and um, yin dryness. Yin, yin. Yin. Y-I-N. Y-I-N, that's correct. So um, the yin is, like I said, the fluid and the substance and the the juices of the body, the secretions. So when yin is depleted, then blood can get thicker and stickier. The tendons and muscles aren't nourished. The lung veins dry out, tighter. It dries out. Yeah. Um, eye issues occur, mm-hmm. graying of hair. You know, it, 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 the body dries out. So we call it yin deficiency and, and dryness. They're two different things, but they're very similar in the aspect of what in Western terms we would call. Now, the reason I do that is um, the common people out there don't understand. I mean, I didn't mean to say common sense. People out there on the streets around the world, as intelligent as many of them might be, never understood that you're dehydrating every moment of the day. You don't have to go over 98 degrees, Leah. And that's why I bring up. So we're going to teach them today about the yin side uh, of this, um, what you're talking about. Uh, Let's say you go in. To, uh, you and what are you going to teach them then on the yin side? What's it going to do with the fact that their body is depleting? They're getting weaker. They're losing strength. They, they, they're nothing is working uh, in the, in the more uh, let's say um, modern uh, what's offer, offered out there in the more modern uh, over the counter products. What would you do to teach them to start looking at another direction? So first, I would just talk about their diet what they're eating, but not only what they're eating, but how they're preparing the food that they're eating or the beverages that they're drinking. And um, a lot of people, you know, I always try to give people suggestions on things to eliminate and things to increase. So a lot of foods and typical drinks in our culture are very hot and heat-producing and drying. And we cook food. You know, we fry a lot of foods. We, we um, barbecue and grill and sear a lot of things, which also add to the heat-producing properties of the food. You know, we add a lot of garlic and hot pepper and salsas and sauces that are very hot and warming to, to the foods themselves. So I always ask patients to start eliminating some of that, eliminating the alcohol consumption, the fried foods, the, the uh, heavy, greasy Foods. Can they go to steamed foods? Excuse me. What about steamed foods? Can That's they what go I'm to saying. So then we want to, you know, change our foods, and we want to prepare our foods in different ways. You know, steaming foods, mm-hmm. um, poaching foods, boiling foods, 
Christmas soup. You know, we're into an age where you want to microwave everything as fast as you can, eat it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is a very yang way of preparing a food. Mm-hmm. And yin preparation is the slow cook, right? Add lots of water and slow cook the food. So the food absorbs a lot of the moisture, so you're getting a lot of fluid in your food as well. Mm-hmm. So we want to steam and um, poach and boil and slow cook. Soups and gruels are very, very nourishing. You know, the whole when you're sick, your chicken noodle soup. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Chicken, good old-fashioned, homemade chicken noodle soup. You know, the broth. The broths are key. Right. And I recommend broths to my patients all the time because it, it helps get the fluid into the body in one way, but it's just also a lot of soups and broths are slow-cooked, so it kind of slows your mentality down as well. You've got to take the time to prepare this food to nourish your body. So it's an energetic nourishment as well. It's not just, you know, drinking the, the broth. Isn't and, it amazing, Leah, how the virus is just absolutely out of control? The viruses, is that what you just said? Uh, yes, out of control. If, right. if one person gets it, the second person gets it, and it just multiplies more than ever in history. Right. I have never seen it around. Uh, in the old world, I'm 67. In the old days, it would be one person might get it, maybe two, and it wouldn't come all through the year. Now it comes year-round. We're really big on trying to kill the virus instead of strengthening our bodies, strengthen the host so that we're not affected by the virus. Now let's say a person gets up in the morning, and I want them to start thinking about how to keep a hydration uh, moisture level in the body to help fight those viruses and detoxify those cells. In other words, the cells get toxin in them, and all of a sudden a virus uh, begins before we even know it. Uh, In fact, they've even proven, I was talking to Dr. Michael Steelman this morning, who uh, was president of the Bariatrics Association nationwide, and we were talking about, you probably read it too, where um, the, uh, a, a virus can cause, uh, a, uh, in the cell, can cause obesity. Did you read about that too? did not. That's interesting. Yeah, and um, a vir- they didn't think that way, but viruses, the toxin in the cell can cause a virus. And the viruses that we're getting today, are, do they ever go completely away? Um, maybe, possibly, if you drink enough water, but probably not. And the other one, too, Leah, is, you know, we're into showers, whereas the bathtub is really what detoxifies you. Showers rinse you. Um, We're going to take a break here in a second, but what would you do with a patient, and they would say, to start their day with the very best day of breakfast, getting out of bed and having breakfast? What would you recommend? I would have the night before set about a cup of cool water and put some green tea leaves in the water. Uh, the green tea has some properties that really helps the body absorb the fluids, mm-hmm. but if you boil it, it um, kills some of those properties. So soaking the green tea in cool water overnight, oh. that liquid in the morning, and then I would have had, had them make a, a millet type of porridge, a millet gruel, and eat some... Some of that, a small amount of that with some pears and Asian pears and maybe some um, the white tremella tree mushrooms in another type of broth. Those are very, very in-nourishing foods. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're cooling and they're very they're nourishing. Uh-huh. And, and now what about a person who needs to be having a little filling feeling? 
Is there something that you would recommend uh, that could be filling? Because some people are used to the bulk, which is right. well, the millet, the porridge is very porridge. And what kind of porridge would you recommend? Millet. Okay, millet. Okay. Yeah, that's a as a nourishing one, or even a rice porridge. And in the rice porridge, you could put some some dates or some pears or the white tremella mushroom, things like that. But you realize a small amount of those porridges that have been simmering for an you know an hour or so. They have a lot of water content, so they fill you up quite well. Uh -huh. And then the grains help. Um, okay, we're going to take a break for a moment, and when we come back, you're going to educate us about how we begin our day and how you would like to see us live our day. And um, we'll be back in a minute, Leah. Okay. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Centers, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist. We'll take a moment with our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Your background, you've been studying uh, a culture of, of our hydration uh, and cells for the culture that's thousands of years old. So when you were learning about how to keep a hydration, dehydrate your body, ying, uh, yang um, theories, when a person gets up in the morning and we're just exhausted because we're under a lot of pressure today, the word negative has become really sad. Whereas many people in the United States especially are so resilient to negative, but yet lately uh, it seems like we're getting a lot of pressure to not forget so we wouldn't forget it. But how does a person get up in the morning and begin a fresh, new moment, that, a very special moment of day to be healthy and think about the positive? What would your vision be for that person to begin the day? No, just taking... A breath before you jump out of bed is a good way to start. Kind of roll, move the joints around, open up the joints, do rotations of the joints, stretch a little bit in bed, and breathe slowly. Most of us, the alarm goes off. We're tearing out of bed, getting a cup of coffee, rushing out the door. And, it's and that's a no-no. You want them just to lay there for a moment. Oh, my gosh, the day is beginning. Right. I'm going to stretch a little bit as I lay here, and then I'm going to take a breath in and let it out two or three times, and then, and then we move into what? And then, you know, everyone has their different routines. I know life detectives, we have a lot of responsibilities, but um, 
eating in the morning is very important to our health in, mm-hmm. in Chinese medicine. Morning is very important. It's the um, most optimal time for our digestive organs to be working. And mm-hmm. so we really want to stimulate them when they're working optimally. So eating a nice, nourishing breakfast, you know, sitting down and taking the time to eat it and drinking some, I mentioned earlier, some the green tea leaves mm-hmm. that have been soaking in the, in the white. I'm going to bring that up for just a second there while you just did that something before I forget. I've been alarmed by all the green tea bags that people are drinking. People are drinking an enormous amount of green tea. Some people are drinking eight to ten cups of green tea with a bag laying in the tea bag laying in the cup. To me, that's a dehydrator. That's it. Uh, your tea leaves, I like that. Green tea leaves, and let them soak overnight. And then when you've let them soak overnight, you've got that green tea water right. available to you if you want to drink it cold or drink it hot. Right. Yeah, I like that because that isn't as dehydrating. Right. I've got to learn to do say ying to you, but I'll say, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning, too. And like I said, and you're, you're asking me about suggestions for yin nourishing, yeah. water, you know, um, fluid nourishing properties, but we always have to remember that everyone is a, in balance, and so the body really is a balance of, of the yin and the yang. And yeah. so, you know, people who are extremely obese and overweight and very phlegmy and you know, with a lot of fluid pouring from their nose and their ears and their eyes. You know, those are very, very um, cold, colder yin people to start with. And so sometimes with those people, we need to add some yang quality to their body as well to, you know, kind of soak the fire to help them. And then when you're going to add that yang quality, what would you... What would be the top of the list? So I'm right now I'm giving suggestions to you about the yin nourishing aspect. Okay. It's always important to keep in mind that energetically and in the body everything is in balance. And if you just go and consume complete yin diet, then a lot of us will get sluggish, you know, kind of of dampens our fire a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so it's also important to keep that in balance. And it balances the key word in all of our lives. Now, our did stop, let's stop there for a second. Do you know a lot of people don't know what the word balance means to their life? <laughs> now, the word balance to a lot of people in America, and I'm just going to speak on their behalf because that's where I'm sitting, um, and I'm one, is uh, maybe things are going happy for me. <laughs> uh, Tell, explain the word balance. Balance is just an an even amount of yin and yang, very basically, in the body. And, and it's not always a set quality. It's ever-changing. It's the movement of one quality. Kind of like a rhythm. Back into the other. So it's, you know, balance is having, you know, quiet time to offset your activity. Balance is having rest to offset your, your um could we, Leah, by chance, for people who have a hard time with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it is a challenge. Maybe it, explain it as a little bit of rhythm. You know, I use this expression in uh, my field uh, that I'm in. I always say, well, I'm like the driver of the Clydesdale horses. Uh, you've got the reins, but you've got to keep everything in rhythm to keep a balance. And if, if, if one gets off, there's no balance. Right. It's a rhythm. And I be- I'm a believer that Earth offers us this rhythm. Uh, of life, 
and you've got to keep a rhythm. You don't want to go too far off the center of the rhythm or you get off there, I'm coming forward to help out maybe. But you can also um, tell me I'm wrong. Um, but it's, you've got to keep the balance because you're keeping a rhythm in the center. Yes, we can be off the edges, but you've always got to be working back into your own individuality for your own balance. Which may, our culture doesn't make that easy. No, it doesn't. Our culture, no, it doesn't. You know, we have to live our own personal balance, but that's got to live our personal of chaos around. And don't be, don't be uh, feeling that's being too vain or self-centered or worried about what one other person thinks about it. We, each person, is an ecosystem. Exactly. And each person has to realize that you are affecting someone else. So your rhythm and your balancing and your choices are very much important to your paying it forward to go forward with your life of that precious moment. But you also are adding a vulnerability. I've got a new motto this year. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It slogan, I should say. In 2009, the environmentally chic lifestyle was just a myth. In other words, care about yourself. Worry about yourself and be who you want to be. Study yourself and be a balancing act. Be a rhythm. Uh, and think of what you could do to help other people and be vulnerable to the ecosystem of our environment, which we are all very vulnerable to the environment, and we add so much if we care for your own health. And that's why I was excited to have you on, because people have to realize that you have to take responsibility for your health. If you're not going to be healthy, that is contagious to other people. We affect other people, and could you add to that if I'm, if you think I'm right or wrong? Well, I, I do agree with that, and I agree that when I was talking earlier about living in the seasons, you know, our bodies are a microcosm, a micro environment that's really infected by the external environment around us. So, the whole part of getting in balance and living your own peace and living your own balance is is really hard when life and the environment around you is really chaotic. But by working and striving towards that and, and getting your micro-environment um, more balanced, it does affect the other people around you as well. So, What would you do for lunch? We got through some ideas of beginning that precious moment of new day, trying to think about a balance. What would you suggest they do when it comes time, when all of a sudden it comes time for that midday, something to, that we call it lunch? Uh, or that snack or whatever, what, what would you say would be important for the second part of the day? Uh, instead of just giving meals, because everyone's very different with meals. That, I, that's why I did that. I, right, it's, I know I led you into saying something like that, but meal, okay, right. go ahead. Um, I can just, some foods that are very, uh, you know, again, how we prepare our food. So something that has been slow cooked, that has been boiled, that has been steamed, those, those are very nourishing. Kind of like uh, carrots and broccoli. And right, that we're, we're coming in. And more, and add powerful. some kale leaves to it to get some dark leaves in there and some spinach. And well, spinach is a very yin-nourishing food. But sour foods, such as you know, lemons and plums and, and mangoes, sour foods are very astringent, too. So if we've had uh, a bad case of diarrhea and we've lost a lot of li- uh, fluid and we really need to astringent, then um, eating some sour foods is really good. In the middle of the day, if we're going and very active, it might be nice to have some sour foods, 
but also the... What about uh, so much uh, allergies that are going around? Does that help allergies? You are asking me such huge questions <laughs> an hour each to answer. So um, allergies at some point is just, in Chinese medicine, a lot of weakened digestion. Okay. Production of phlegm and fluids. There we go. Different things going on. So we would approach that in a completely different... Okay, I'm sorry. I just Something came through to me because every time I turn around, you were describing something about how to eat right. that day or other meals. And I got to thinking if people ate that way, they might not have as many allergies. Maybe, perhaps. You know, I mean, a lot of the allergies are environmental. Yes, I know. Stuff to work on. But there's some foods that are very yin, um, nourishing foods, are foods that are cooler in quality and sweeter neutral in quality. Some meats that are good are pork and oysters. The um, vegetables would be spinach, tomato, the seaweed, felt, rice. What about mussels? are really good. Excuse me? Mussels? Mussels, perhaps. Oysters are much more yin nourishing. Asparagus, right now the season with asparagus. Mm -hmm. Asparagus is fantastic. Water chestnuts um, and some dairy products. Okay, let's go back to the water chestnut for a minute. What does a person do with water chestnuts, and where would they normally buy them? Uh, most people here are used to the canned water chestnut, okay. which I'm not a big proponent of. But the fresh water chestnuts, you can get at Asian markets. Okay. They look like they're brown and naughty looking. I know. That's why I asked you. On the How outside. Would you... Okay. But you just peel off the skin, and on the inside, it's very similar to coconut meat. Uh-huh. That really creamy, you know, you take a bite of it and you feel the creaminess of it. So it's, it's crunchy and it's, it's creamy and you can feel it. So you just food. peel off, you know, the reason I'm asking is I've never, uh, my family used to have a chestnut trees in, their home, in our yard, never did a thing with them. And uh, have you ever seen a chestnut tree? Yes. Okay, well, never did anything with them. And I've been through stores and seen the chestnuts and it's always been so tempting, but I, this is the first time I've ever asked anyone, what would I do with it? How would I prepare it? So you can peel off that little tiny thin skin. Yes. Okay. They're very good, too, and they're very nourishing to the kidneys, the chestnuts. But I had said water chestnuts, which is that white, meaty fruit inside. It's a, it grows. A lot of the Asian people grow them in the rice paddies during the off-season because mm-hmm. they grow in a swampy, watery area. Okay. So it looks like a brown root. So, again, okay. then a lot of the root foods are very, very okay. nourishing as well. Even the asparagus root, lily bulbs, the bulbs and roots are a lot of the herbs and the foods that we use to nourish. Okay, now what about the end of the day uh, when we call it here in our culture dinner time? In other words, it's the last meal we may have. Uh, what do you recommend? And, of course, I, I know that we were going to discuss today hydration, dehydration, and rehydration, but people have to know that what you're eating is how you retain your moisture. Exactly. And so the same thing with, the, you know, tofu, soy milk, or simmer, or help um, <coughs> nourish the yin. Some of the, um, the red fruit juices can help with that. What about the new one out there? Um, Oh, I mean, uh, not cranberry, but the other one that's out there that's really gotten popular. Um, Goji. Yeah. That one is fantastic for nourishing the blood. And how do you spell that? G-O-U-J-I. It's wolfberry. It's what kind of berry? Wolfberry. Wolfberry. 
that, and even mulberry. The mulberry is very good, too. A lot of the sticky berries, the longan berries, mm-hmm. the longan fruits, the sticky Chinese fruits, the stickiness helps the body retain mm-hmm. the fluid in the substance. What about pomegranate? Uh, that's more of a astringent flavor. Okay. So, okay. And again, like the sour, the astringent. So it does help hold on to and astringe the fluid in your body, but it's not as, it's not the sticky building, you know, blood building, fluid building um, as the as the wolfberry, the mulberry. Those are very good for nourishing the blood. A lot of uh, vegetarians who um, have anemia, who don't, you know, have weakened, you know, have a little bit of blood deficiency and they don't want to do meat products, mm-hmm. goji berry is very good for that and some of the Chinese dates, they can help. We only have a minute left and I could do this uh, longer with you. I just love having you on. You're really very, very educating for us. Um, what would you like to conclude uh, with your education today to finish with your audience around the world on what you believe about the hydration of the cells? Well, just like we were talking about earlier, everything is in such – it's all about balance. And when we are responsible for our health, and our health in, in a lot of cultures, traditionally Asian cultures, believed that it was our responsibility to our parents to our ancestors, to our oh, thank body, you for saying that. stay healthy. It's not, it's not just, you know, a, on a whim if we prefer to be healthy or not. Such a gift, right? Ability to the world yeah. to, and to our families to be as healthy as possible. And so by keeping things in moderation and in balance mm-hmm. and finding out there are, there are so many resources in our culture today where we can go get help with nutrition and to, you know, taking a lot of, Pharmaceutical drugs help dry out the body so yes, much. It's a dehydrator. The balance. So there's so much we can do with food and nutrition. And, of course, drink a lot of water. And water, fluid. Water, water, water. Yeah, water is very yin-nourishing. We have, I would love to have you on again sometime when you have a moment again. And what would your favorite subject be? Oh, I'm a talker just like you are, so. <laughs> well, no, no, we're educators. What, what would your favorite subject be? And we can look forward to that next time. Oh, I'd have to think about that. We'll talk another time about that. Which one? I'll, give me a moment to think about that, and we'll talk next All right, time. all right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank so you. So much for your dedication. And obviously you care about the life on this earth because you chose uh, – a uh, therapy and an occupation that absolutely is unusual and people should be thinking about it every all uh, to do this. Great. Thank you for your time, Leah. Thank you. You have a very special day. You too. Bye. Well, guess what? I believe that's what Earth is all about. Did you see hear her say that it depends upon your, your parents gave birth to you and uh, those parents meant to bring you to Earth to live here as a gift. It's a gift to live here on this Earth. Take it serious. And remember, when you're around other people, they're also a gift to this earth. Be kind, be wise, and don't be selfish. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research and Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of supplementing your eyes for a healthier eye. We'll take a moment with our sponsor, and we'll be right back. The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. 
Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Art? Art, are you there? Hello? Art? Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> I, didn't hear you I didn't hear you, so... Oh, I said good morning, and then I heard a big uh, bunch of static, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're having a little technology problem today, so bear with us. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your background before we go in, because you live in Oregon, you came from the East, but you got involved in, this, in the world of nature, and each week when we bring you on the show, uh, we get some very fascinating education. But what I hope so. You fell in love. And I need to tell you this. I've noticed that almost everybody we have on the show that's involved in nature, uh, whether it be a superintendent or a head of the U.S. Forest Service, wherever in the United right. States we've had them all, that their childhood was an influence to them before they ended up being with the Forest Service and or an ecologist mm. or doing what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, you had that influence as a child, too. You would go on trips with your parents, and they seemed to expose you to nature, too, even though you lived in Detroit. I grew up in Detroit. Uh, my parents used to like to go on trips, and they took us to the Upper Peninsula, and they took us out to California, and we visited Yellowstone. And you drove. And the Grand Canyon and the Redwoods and, uh, yeah. oh, what else? Um, yeah, you know, I was talking almost every show I have, somebody heading the U.S. Forest Service, wherever they are in the United States, their childhood was what their influence was. And I often think, I was talking to someone the other day, and her, um, her children, in fact, I had sent a gift to her grandchild, is only one-year-old, Art, and it, the child had brain surgery. Oh my at Dornbecker's, and we sent a bouquet from Save the Child's Life to the child and family. Uh, actually, it's a planter with plants in it, so it's nature. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, she was saying about her children uh, grew up, and they're all involved in the Forest Service and fighting fires or whatever. And I said, what did, you do as, what did they do as a child with you? And she said, well, we took them hiking all the time. And she said, it's just fascinating when she looks back on it, that how much natural they got in the forest and then outside and and, and raking the leaves and doing the certain things they did as a family, going camping. And it was enough influence that all of her t- sons are in the Forest Service or a firefighting Forest Service. So today I wanted you to tell us uh, well, you love nature. interesting story because uh, I, I was very careful to take my own kids hiking and camping and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And... At the time, they hated it, and they whined and complained, and the first chance they had, one of them moved to Philadelphia, and the other one moved to New York City. Uh-huh. But... They all moved back. They're both back on the West Coast. <laughs> they both go hiking and camping. They both I love the it. outdoors. You know, I've got to tell you so. about me, myself. As my family, were fly fishermen on the North Umpqua in uh, Roseburg, Oregon, and we were f- all the time outside camping, and then my grandfather had a... A cabin on the lower road across the river. So every time you went to the cabin, you had to get in a boat and go across the river. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. Yes, and I've climbed <laughs> the mountains. I've swung on the grapevines. 
Um, I climbed the cricks, and uh, the nature of this life is something that we want to bring this show to people to. Is living on this earth is just like Leah, our, our earlier guest. This is a gift to each of us, and we were brought to this earth as a gift to live here with a gift. You're going to teach us today about another part of the ecosystem, uh, the waterfalls and ecosystems at the Columbia Gorge. Yeah, and, can I cover uh, one other thing real fast? Yes, go ahead. Uh, while I was sitting there listening to the end of your previous conversation, I looked up water chestnuts. Oh, uh-huh. And um, they're a lily-like thing. They're a monocot, and they grow in uh, rice paddies. Uh-huh. And what you're eating is what they call a corm, K-O-R-M, mm-hmm. which is a bulb. Mm-hmm. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah. A, a regular chestnut uh, is a it's a seed, okay. and it grows on a, a tree in the oak family. Okay. Yeah, so they're I not can... even remotely related. Yeah, we used to have chestnut trees, and that's what she said. There's a difference. Yeah. There's one growing like rice grows on on water. Yes, it's it's, it's a little plant that looks. They like call a it lily. a lily. Yeah. Okay, now let's go before we we got to get this in because it's one of my favorite things in life is that okay. Columbia Gorge. Let's Waterfall. tell the world about it. Now it it originates the Columbia River originates up in our friend Canada. Uh yeah, up in the Canadian Rockies. Yeah. Uh, been there. Oh, actually, there's a lake called Columbia Lake, mm-hmm. and it's. Uh... Oh, that's why they call it the Columbia Gorge. Because it originates from the Columbia Lake. Well, the Columbia River runs through the Columbia Gorge. Okay, and that's in Canada. No, the Columbia River starts in Canada. Columbia yeah, but, Lake, but what's it called like when it starts up miles in Canada? Miles when, when it starts up in Canada, what's it called at the beginning? Columbia that's River. Up in headwaters, the Columbia River. It, it starts in a lake called Columbia Lake. It's near Banff National Park. Okay. And then it flows for like two thousand miles, and then um, it flows for two thousand miles. Yeah. It goes north, and then it goes way south, and then it goes north again. <laughs> it just sort of wanders all over the place. Well, it's gorgeous. People have to just describe it to them. Um, Art, you've been there many times. The Columbia River is huge. It's like three, four miles across. Uh, it's the largest river on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It's the only river that crosses the major barrier mountains of the West Coast. Uh, the Sierra, or the uh, it just it, it cuts the Cascade Mountain Range right in half, mm-hmm. and so you get a, a three mile wide river uh, running through the center of a major mountain range and cutting it in half. And right where it does that, there's a seventy mile stretch called the Columbia Gorge. Mm-hmm. That's a spectacular canyon. Now, how many mountain ranges are involved in that area? Just just the Cascades, and it also cuts through the coast ranges. Okay. But uh, a lot of other rivers also cut through the coast ranges. Yeah, we just had a show last week on the Cascade. Mountain now, there's range. no rivers that cut through the uh, through the Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. and there's no rivers that cut through the Rockies. Now, when it originates at the headwaters and it comes down, where does it begin that enormous width at? Very wide. Uh, well, it's wide at the Grand Coulee Dam, which is way up in uh, central Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge river any way you cut it. Right. So. Now, have you ever heard, and I don't want to lead you to something you can't answer, we can do that another time, but 
Have you ever heard of it flooding over to the point it's out of control? Yeah, that's why they built all the dams. Yeah. They used how to many flood dams constantly. They, how many dams do they have to assist that? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. There's Bonneville Dam, and there's a Dallas Dam, and there's a Grand Coulee Dam, and there's uh, just on and on and See, on. See, I'm going to say something those. today, and I hope the whole wide world can listen to me on this uh, um, global warming and all. My field has been studying water for 30 years, and I'm a believer of the reservoir, the dams. And a lot of people don't understand if you, we didn't have those reservoirs and those waters like that, that there could be a time in hundreds of years to come that we would not be able to provide that same amount of water. The other one is, is when the rains come down and the waters come streaming through and their tributaries are flowing, we've got to hold some of that back. And when we're holding it back, that holds an amount of water on top of aquifers that are below there to help that storage assist yeah. it. Prime the pump. And a lot of people don't realize how vital that is for species to continue to live for eternity on Earth. That's why we can sell water and power to California. Exactly. And they can't sell it to us. That's exactly. So. Yeah. yeah. Now, on the Columbia Gorge, um, when you're coming through there, how high do you think that gorge is? Because I've been there. It is just, there's the Columbia Gorge uh, Hotel, even, that is just gorgeous. Uh, well, the Multnomah Falls is 620 feet. Well, no, so that means the cliff itself is like at least 620 feet high. Okay. Um, Larch Mountain is about 4,000 feet, and that's the main peak in the Cascades that's immediately behind the uh, Multnomah Falls, and okay, you can drive up to it. That, that uh, mountain is called what? Larch, L-A-R-C-H. L-A-R-T-H, and it's 4,000 feet high? 4,055 feet L-A-R-C-H. Yeah, there's a beautiful viewpoint. You can see the uh, Mount Hood. Yeah, I'll and bet Mount you Adams you climbed that. Cascades and Mount uh, Mount St. Helens. Mm-hmm. Now, have you climbed Mount Larch? You can drive up to the top of it. There's oh my a, gosh, drive to it? Yeah, you drive to the parking area. Then there's a half a mile trail to this vista point. It's oh my just gosh. incredible. Now, does the Forest Service have a ranger station there? No, there's a. I don't know where the nearest ranger station is. The reason I ask is, you know, visitor I'm sure I like people. Who, Falls, so. Yeah, last week when we were talking about the Cascade Range, we've talked about the Olympic Range with the U.S. Forest Service. We've talked about the Sissicues. We've talked about where people can go and and be even have a t- guides and uh, go on hikes with yeah. uh, professional guides so they can be safer. Uh, but you can literally drive up there, and uh, then there's probably some uh, way. They have the tra- hiking trails you can go on? Well, from uh, the Larch Mountain Vista Point, you can hike to the top of Mount Numa Falls. It's about four miles. Mm-hmm. And then it's about a mile and a half back down to the, the bottom of Mount Numa Falls on the Columbia River. So that's a great hike. Oh, I bet but you're right. Very few people know that if you climb to the top of Mount Numa Falls and then walk a mile and a half up the creek, there's another 100-foot-high waterfall. Oh, my goodness. It's called Upper Mount Numa Falls. Now, how is the water level of that? Do you see, have you ever heard of any uh, fluctuation in the hydraulic? Uh, on, the, on the falls or uh-huh. on the Columbia on, River? On the falls before we get down to the Columbia River again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, now, you, you got to remember, that, let's see, the, uh, 
in the Columbia Gorge, there's like 77 waterfalls on the Oregon side and about three on the Washington side. Okay, I'm going to repeat that for the audience. There's 77 waterfalls? On the Oregon side. On the Oregon side of the the Columbia Gorge there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, And these are all side creeks feeding into the Columbia River. Mm -hmm. Tributaries. Yeah. Um, On the east side of the the, gorge. But the most amount of water tributary is coming from the origination of the headwaters up in Canada. No, the water, the feeds of waterfalls, these are all small creeks that come out of the Cascades. No, no, I'm talking that because they're coming down into the Columbia River. They flow into the Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Well, you sure have to count to those as tributaries, even though they're not rivers. Yeah, well, they're they're creeks, most of them. Yeah. Um, And wherever there's a creek, there's an aquifer below. Wherever there's a waterfall, there's big aquifer. Yeah, and they vary tremendously. You know, if you go to uh, Mount Noma Falls in October, it's a little trickle. Mm Mm-hmm. If you go there in uh, May or June, it's this huge roaring torrent. Wow. So, yeah, it's very seasonable. Okay, back to the Columbia uh, National Scenic Area. What are some of the most fascinating things you've learned? Now, we've learned you've taught me about the wind. Uh, There's an enormous wind funnel coming through there. Yeah, uh, the Dalles, which is just above uh, uh, and, and the town of Hood River, are both uh, the windsurfing capital of the world. The windsurfing capital? Yeah. Um, it gets tremendous wind and constant wind, and the Columbia is about three miles wide at that point, and it's just mm-hmm. great windsurfing. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that on the east side of the gorge, uh, rainfall is about 10 to 15 inches, and on the west side of the gorge, it's about 40 inches. We're going to give a plug for so. Dr. or Omar Knowles, who's an optometrist up there. He's a windsurfing champion, (laughs) and he's been doing it most of his life, and his wife later on life. But, yeah, it's the windsurfing championships are held there year-round. I mean, every year. There are, absolutely. I have a friend that does that. Yeah, and then there's a lot of parks along the river coming down. Heaven is to travel up to to the Dalles and go windsurfing if you're a windsurfer. That's the ultimate you can do. Now, you said that there's uh, the Mark Hatfield Wilderness Area. Tell me, he's a former governor. Uh, he's a former governor. He's a former U.S. senator. He's the former mayor of Portland. And he's uh-huh. a fine, fine man. Cause oh, yes, my family knew him. Years ago, yeah. and he was just spectacular. Yeah, now, and his wife. Yeah, uh, it's uh, 39,000 acres. It goes from 100 feet elevation to 4,900 feet elevation. Mm-hmm. Um. The main creek, it's the largest creek, side creek in the Columbia Gorge is Eagle Creek. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that uh, goes through the Mark Hatfield Wilderness, which used okay. to be called the Columbia Wilderness. Now, is the Mark Hatfield Wilderness, uh, um, d- uh, all the directions and regulations are through the U.S. National Forest Service? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's the Eagle Creek, well, there's the Mark Hatfield Wilderness, and there's also the Columbia Gorge uh, National Scenic Area, mm-hmm. and they sort of overlap. This Eagle Creek is just incredible. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, now, about ten Columbia, miles long. The Columbia River then goes all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, and then in, in Portland, too. Oregon, they have um, the Willamette I, area comes into the Columbia River from Portland, Oregon. Yeah, at the mouth, the Columbia River is about twenty-five miles wide. Mm-hmm. And there's a 
a sandbar that you can walk out on for you can drive to Clatsop Spit in Fort Stevens State Park at the right you can see Astoria on one side. And then you and, have Rooster Rock Park there. Oh, Rooster Rock Park is across from... I was I talking it, about the Malta. I the know Columbia. exactly, yeah, where it's at. Rooster Rock, my family Rock there. Uh, is very interesting. It's this huge boulder in the middle of the river. It's like mm-hmm. 600 feet high. Mm-hmm. And near it is uh, one of the few waterfalls on the coast. We've been told we are out of time. But oh, my I, God, so we're talking to dead air. Yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. We're gonna, <laughs> we want to do this again. So yeah. thank you for all of your dedication and Absolutely. nature love. And we'll talk to you. We'll have you ne- again, of course. Okay. You have a special day, Art. Yeah, good to be here. You have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, Earth does have a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. But Earth is whispering. Don't ever say goodbye. Leave your footprint. Have a very special day, and thank you for listening. is talking the world is talking world talk radio studio a